0: Intent, a sidelong glance at overcoming difficulty and enmity. Correct mind intent plus physical repetition over time equals practice. Or, if it ain't raining, it ain't training. Below is something I wrote as a practice aid memoir for myself in 2018, and then adapted for my students a few years ago, and have returned to this weekend through necessity. It's been a hard week, not for myself, but for several of my loved ones. The way this shows up for me is blinding headaches. My organism is very straightforward and unsubtle in expressing distress these days, which I appreciate. Non-mysterious pain is always instructive, whether it comes from oneself or from others. And there's not always a distinction to be made. Many people harm themselves by making sure others will attack them. I have certainly done this in the past. How unsatisfying is the feeling of righteousness as the eviction notice arrives? This week, a very friendly, skilful local builder has been repairing holes in the exterior and interior walls of this flat. It coincides with reading about tonic masculinity, brought to my attention last month by a friend, which led me to an interesting conclusion regarding British tradesmen and to add a few other related thoughts below. Language note, there's a fair bit of Anglo-Saxon obscenity towards the end of the section, that one time when, in case you've got youngsters listening or reading nearby. To be an alewife. Brew new wine from the dregs of the ancients is a Taoist instruction that I love. It doesn't say, preserve the dregs in a hermetically sealed vessel and venerate them nor does it recommend throwing away the dregs and synthesising something totally new. Both those approaches are common in Tai Chi as they are in wider culture, slavishly following methods that no longer make sense because they seem unchangeable, or mindlessly throwing out every tradition and principle we had for the sake of a clean slate and a carte blanche. These are both methods without courage. There is so much goodness, so much wisdom, right under our noses, widely available, and almost all of it is plain and glamorous and takes effort and care to cultivate. It's why it's unpopular. Also, the benefits can rarely be immediately seen. How to measure the times when one didn't rise to provocation? How to count the heart attacks or mental breakdowns we did not have? Well, at least with the Tai Chi, there are numerous very good studies. you still get my point. Stalking the benefits of sustained practice is tricky in a culture which only prizes surfaces. I raise a glass, or rather my mug of Yorkshire tea, to all of you attempting to stop your mind-wearing, pick up the pieces of your family, locale or wider community, and endeavour to do that one thing you know you were called for. Here are some things I've learned and am currently relearning. Without current mind intent, Even if practising, one is going through the motions. Without physical repetition, you have imaginary practice, only good for developing imaginary skills. Mind and body correctly joined is a joy in itself. The answer to why do it is the question is not relevant. You will find out by doing what it is you will cultivate. You can adjust or desist based on outcomes. This is how all of our ancestors learned anything they were not directly told or shown. There is always risk involved in action. Transformation generally requires a living culture to support us in which to grow. And sadly, these have often been torn apart by the machine. I am lucky to have had a pocket of lively martial arts culture, to have wandered into the dark mountain diaspora and to have a large family who have all made it their business to re-brew something rich and strong to sustain us. By definition, a culture is alive, changing, growing, somewhat consistent and contained. Not all cultures are beneficial. The effects upon the body of, say, lactobacillus acidophilus and the organisms which cause necrotizing fasciitis are radically different. One notices the same tendencies amongst ideas and practices in the body of the population. Some add to the overall well being of people. Other ideas consume their host from within and can lead to severe mental illness, self harm, or even death, whether by suicide or murder. What almost all the necrotizing ideas have in common including those I've heard myself say from time to time, is this. It's always someone else's fault. Begin again. Looking at my late grandmaster's old 1980s photocopied instruction booklet from the BTCCA, we find two instructions for studying Tai Chi Chuan. 1. Start Tai Chi. 2. Continue Tai Chi. He had a very fine sense of humor. So we just start with singing, drawing, meditation, caring for someone, getting well, crafting, writing, tai chi, gardening, studying. In my experience, there is no correct state of mind in which to begin. Starting is so much more important than anything else. Only you know what it is you are meant to do. And my habit is to trust people I meet to find that knowing in themselves. However, I do know a thing or two about starting and continuing. If you're finding it hard to set out, try this. Are you feeling annoyed? Do annoyed practice. Are you feeling angry, inadequate, overexcited, dull, bored, confused, etc. ad infinitum? Do your practice anyway. Pretty soon it won't be at all like when it was that you started. In fact, by the end you probably won't remember what flavour of affected state you were in because your energy will have moved and changed. Move the pen or brush. Make or mend that small thing. Hum an old or new tune. Write some random letters and words. Do the exercise or warm-ups. Sit and watch the breath or feel the body. Make soup for your brother. Something will change in us and therefore in the world. Nothing changes by sitting there dwelling on it. Even just walking around aimlessly is better than that. What is this thing that changes? What makes it change? What is this mysterious intent thing? These are good questions. I have been working on that last one 20 years, both awake and asleep, and I still don't have an answer in words. But I have a strong feeling, and a whole bunch more excellent questions with which to break my brain. And now your brains too, due to this substack. The Secret Guild of Martial Artist Builders Since I moved back to England, I have needed tradesmen to work for me many times in flats and boats I have either owned or rented. Decorators, electricians, fridge engineers, plumbers, boiler fitters, roofers, builders, you name it. I am a practical person but I've not had the time nor inclination to get good at all the household things. Instead, I specialised in sewing all the curtains and furnishings, repairing things and growing my own food. Workmen would often remark at my collection of swords, sabres and staffs in the hallway, and the conversation would sometimes turn to martial arts. We would have great discussions about whatever style of art they'd practised. Here's the strange thing. Every single one of the men who had studied martial arts of any kind, including boxing, taekwondo, karate, jiu-jitsu, muay thai, cage fighting, capoeira and MMA, were excellent at their work, courteous, prompt and straightforward to deal with. Not a single martial artist builder was lazy, rude, disrespectful, creepy or unskillful. The same cannot be said of the non-martial artist tradesmen, where over 70% of them were either rude or patronising to me or just poor at their work. Is there a secret guild? Last week I told my latest excellent builder in Bournemouth, who also did Muay Thai and whose building business brothers are both cage fighters, that he should start one, as they'd clean up for sure. We talked about what training did for our minds as well as our bodies how it toned and mellowed us, as well as lifted our moods and channeled our energies. This is as true for women as men, by the way. It just happens that in the UK, most household trades are still blokes. After 17 years as sole mistress of my own household, I will say this. There is a difference. And it reads a lot like what some of the guys on here have been referring to as tonic masculinity. So I thought you'd like to know. Anyway, it's not just positive to interact with. It earns them good money and an easy time with their female clients. In this case, me. Saying no to the old enmity. I'm a feminist. I remember shocking a friend by saying that back in 2017. His comment was something like, but you're not being horrible and you don't seem to hate men. This is true. I am not an especially well-read feminist but I grew up reading about what we then called women's lib in Spare Rib Every Month, which was superb and opened my eyes to a vast world beyond my seaside town. Despite some great reads, my feminism is largely based on my lived life, not other people's theories. For me, it is simple. Feminism means a woman and a man are of equal worth as humans. They may be different in many ways, but not in value. All of the things that naturally run from that, to do with pay, education, rights, freedoms and responsibilities, etc., should be self-evident. That's it. Tonic youth. I am blessed with incredible male friends, colleagues, tai chi classmates, students, nephews, a brother and teachers. Why would I seek to be at war with the opposite sex? It would be exhausting, frankly. I don't have the spare life energy. We will need to work together, with and for each other, with love and solidarity, to combat the alienating effects of the machine. There is one thing we can already work at together, fostering tonic youth. There are lots of us, not just parents, but aunts and friends like myself, who help the youngsters in our families and communities flourish, become anti-fragile, and not succumb to the myriad parasitic mindsets on offer from the Meta System's open-all-hours doom purveyors. So, forgive the pun. And anyway, Sonic Youth were awesome. We went on stage after them at Terrorstock 5 in Boston a lifetime ago, and obviously all the journos had already left, but we still played a great set. Speaking to one of the greatest singer-bassists, Kim Gordon, beforehand, was nerve-wracking. Inside my head I kept telling myself, just be cool, don't be a dick. I think I managed to not be a dick, but one can never be sure. I'll talk about tonic youth in another post, but my guess is you already know what it is. It's what youth should be, and sometimes still is. Bold, free, convivial, energetic, unsurveilled, exploratory, ever-changing, fast-learning, hopeful, nourishing, cherished. That one time when... Last summer, I experienced for the first time the joy of a man standing up for me, with me, completely appropriately and without overreaction or fear. My lover and I were on the nearby beach at sunset, watching a huge grey seal that was lolloping up the sand toward us, a very rare sight in Bournemouth. We had been laying in the sand, chilling out, not talking, just being creatures, feeling land joy and making quiet noises, which is what we quite like to do on a summer evening. The seal seemed very interested in us. Perhaps we seemed a little seal-like, or at least peaceful and horizontal. As we were smiling and marvelling, some very drunk holidaymakers, with their dog off the lead, staggered our way. And their dog began to attack the seal. We shouted to them to get their dog on a lead, as they clearly hadn't seen the wild creature due to their beer goggles. The seal turned and just about managed to make it to the surf and swim away before the dog started biting. At which point the dog owners turned to start swearing at us, and one man began a tirade. I have acid in this bottle and I'm going to throw it over you, cunt, and I'm going to fucking maim you, bitch, going to melt your face. It's acid. All of which was a total lie as it was clearly a bottle of Highland spring water. However, the ill intent was genuine. My man stood up and in a calm, authoritative voice told everyone to calm down and stop being so rude and aggressive, but in a stance that said there would be immediate consequences if things kicked off. Now, I hate pointless fights, but I have been in a couple and both times the guys eventually ran away, for different reasons, but that's another story. It's not something I'll rely on, and reminder self-defence classes are on my list for this spring. The drunk grockles lurched off, shouting death threats. Yes, actual death threats. Lockdown made British people antisocial and more aggressive. But it was the pure, simple, no-need-to-think-about-it response from my young man that I'll always remember. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe he was brought up really well. But from what I've gleaned, he has always taken care of his friends or partner in the moment, at some personal cost. I had never experienced it before, only ambivalence, equivocation or even victim-blaming. For instance, when being threatened with a gun in Kashmir, or beaten with a bamboo pole in riots when a train was attacked in Chandigarh, or when groped by a priest in Vrindavan in 1992, or that time I was attacked by some weird guy wanting to fight me outside, now, in a club in Bournemouth in 1989. But hey, no hard feelings, Mr W. I can tell you that the studies are true. Willingness to commit to the safety of someone you're with is very attractive. I feel similarly about platonic friends who have rallied to my aid, or to each other's defence. I feel uncomplicatedly good about myself when I appropriately protect those I love. It's adaptive. It's caring. It's natural. No need for the whole is-it-sexism angle, as women clearly do it too, though it may look a little different. It's part of what I wrote about in God's Siblingry last week. When I have been disloyal, I have always regretted it. In a culture where commitment is laughed at, whether to friends, a path, or family. I'm going to go full 1985 teen goth anti-mainstream and say this. Up yours to the atomizing anti-human pylons. If instead we've got each other's backs, that's way more radical and much more fun. Until next week. Maybe see you on the beach. And here's a note. This time it's really worth reading the footnotes for extra details on the stories.